All right, so we are in week five of How Then Shall We Live? And we are going to talk about the Christian, us as Christians, and the government, Christians and politics. How does that all work together? And what is our role? And how are we to respond to government? And just that whole subject of Christians and politics. And so before we jump in, I would like to pray for us. Would you join with me in prayer? Father, I thank you for the opportunity to jump into you your word and to hear what you would say about this subject of governing authorities and what is our responsibility and how should we respond to those that are are in authority. And I pray that you would give us all ears to hear, that we would be ready to receive. I pray that, that you would challenge us even in some areas of our life and our perspective about government and politics. And Lord, I pray that in all of this you'd be glorified. And I pray Specifically, that you would help me to open my mouth to preach your word and to exalt Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in week five. We have one more week, one more Sunday of this series before we jump into the book of Malachi. I'm excited. My, I love to teach scripture. I love to go verse by verse. And so I'm looking forward to Malachi. Then I'm looking forward to the gospel of John, getting back at it in January. But we have two more weeks here, this message and one more And we've been looking at how should we live as believers in Jesus Christ in the middle of this world. And so we've talked about marriage and family and gender and sexuality. We've we've talked about uh, God's image being under assault in our our culture. And we wanted to speak, I wanted to speak very clearly about what is is wrong with what we see all around us. And and to help us to have a biblical worldview. And, and, And I just want you to understand this from my heart. This message... I was not preaching it for the world to hear, though if a non-believer would listen to this, these messages that I've preached over the last few weeks, um, prayerfully God would use it to open their, their eyes and to, for them to be able to see the, the glory of Christ, but I was preaching it for us so that we can be armed with truth, so that we wouldn't be deceived by the, by the lies of the culture that are out there about gender, about sexuality, about marriage, about family. And, and, and so this is why I've been preaching. I've been preaching it for us. This is for, for you to hear, for us to hear, so that, that so, so that we can live in this world and understand that, yes, these convictions that we have are good, and they're from God, and we can rest in those convictions and so that we can be missional towards those who are deceived by the lies of the enemy. Do you guys follow that? This is why we have done this series. I felt like it was good for us to talk about these subjects. And so today we're going to talk about a subject that is, I think, a very important subject. It's a subject that can be controversial in the sense that you can have different perspectives about the government, about politics, and what is the role of the Christian, and what is the role of the church, and, and, and can we be involved in politics? Should we be involved in politics? And what about the government? Should we always submit to the government? And and, and, and so that's what we want to look at, what God's word says about it. You know, there's, there tends to be a real polarized uh, position that people will take, kind of two positions I think some people will take. One would be the pacifist. And the pacifist, when it comes to the government, would say that whatever happens in American politics has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. And that would be the person who just sits back and whatever happens out there in the culture and in the government and politics doesn't, doesn't really matter. And that would be what I would call the pacifist. The, the activist on the other side is the, is the one who says, we want to use political, the political system to establish the kingdom of God in America. And I think there's danger in both of those polarized views. And what we want to see is we, we want to see what, what does the Bible say about governing authorities and what is our responsibility concerning that. And there's two sections of scripture in the New Testament that primarily deal with this subject, really straightforward. And so we're going to kind of look at both of these sections in an overview style, 1 Peter chapter 2 and Romans chapter 13. And what I want to do this morning is I want to give us two, you could call it overarching perspectives or foundational perspectives, however you want to look at it, uh, concerning our view of government and authority and what God has established. What are the foundational perspectives concerning government and authority. And then after we look at those two foundational perspectives, then we're going to ask we're going to answer some questions, some common questions that we have once we understand what God's requiring of us is concerning government and authorities. Uh, what are some common questions that we have? And we'll seek to answer those. So, the first 
foundational perspective concerning authority and government it would, would be this, very straightforward from the text, and we'll see it. God has established earthly authority for our common good. God has established earthly authority for our common good. Who are the first authority figures that you submit to as a human being? Your parents, right? So from the very beginning of our lives, authority is important. From the very beginning of our lives, we are submitted to the authority of our parents. And then as you get older, you go into, into school and you have to submit to teachers and principals. And, and, and throughout our lives, we see that God is the one who gives authority and we must submit to authority because God is the one who institutes authority. God has established earthly authority for our common good, for our good individually and in and, and, and families and in schools and nationally, he's given us authority for our common good. And so we want to see, what, what, here's two sections. First Peter 2, uh, uh, the Apostle Peter writes this. He says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Be subject, that means to be submissive. Whether it be to the emperor, a supreme, we'll talk about that in a few minutes about the emperor, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil, and to praise those who do good. So, so we're to submit to the governing authorities as to the emperor as supreme, as to governors. And then it says that the governing authorities are, are, are meant to do what? They're meant to, to punish those who do evil and to reward, to praise those who do, to do good. Romans 13, the apostle Paul says similar things. For there is no authority except from God. Isn't that an amazing statement? There is no authority except from God. God, he's the one who gives authority. And those, who, those, those that exist, the authorities that exist, have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will, will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct. If you're living good, you're fine. But to bad, would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good. And you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant. Who is God's servant? The authorities that he has allowed to be in authority. They are God's servant. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God. An avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So what do we see? These two texts right here. God has given governing authorities for our common good. And in these two texts specifically, we see that God has given this authority to rulers to punish evil in society and to praise those that are good, that obey the law. God has established governing authorities for the restraint of evil. He's given us governing authorities to restrain evil for the promotion of public good and the punishment of wrongdoing to maintain peace in society. And so I, I would say this, we thank God for our military. We thank God for police officers. We thank God for those that, that, that seek to protect our well-being. Are we not grateful for those, the military and, and the police uh, and, and, and first responders and those that are there to, to protect us, to keep peace in society? And so we are very thankful. St. Saint, Saint Augustine once said about government, he called government a necessary evil, a necessary evil. And at first glance, when you read the statement, you think, oh, yeah, that, yeah of course, yeah, it's, government's evil. But what did we hear in Scripture? Governments from God, authorities from God, governing authorities are from God, right? But what St. Augustine meant by necessary evil was this. He meant that government is made necessary by the fact of evil. It's necessary because of evil. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful. The human heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Do you ever look around your world and you think, how is it possible that this level of wickedness could take place? It's because the human heart without restraint, without the power of the gospel transforming in the heart and giving, us, giving someone a brand new heart, the propensity for evil has no bounds. And so because man is inherently evil, we need 
authorities. We need government. We need restraint in society. Man left to himself will destroy a society. Mankind left to themselves will destroy a society. No restraint in society, no government, no authorities. What are we left with? Chaos, anarchy. That's what we're left with, chaos, anarchy. You guys remember it's only been a little over two years, but you remember the riots of 2020? Remember watching on your TV screens and some of you, you've lived long enough to, to have been in times in America where there were riots for other reasons in our country. But in particular, just thinking about what I was, what I was watching along with you, the, the, the riots in the different major cities across our country, and you saw lawlessness. And what was interesting was that you had people that would rise up, politicians and people of uh, 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 influencers would rise up, and you had the whole defund the police movement, and you had rioters that would go into cities and would just destroy property, burn cars, break down windows, go into businesses and loot and steal, and the police would just sit back and do nothing, even to the point where sometimes they would vacate their offices, just let this lawlessness run rampant in the street. You, do you remember in particular, there was one city, the city of Seattle. They had a place, um, they had a the police station in this one section of Seattle where the police vacated it. They just left. The riders came in and they blocked off six blocks. They barricaded six blocks in a major American city in Seattle and they called it CHAZ. You, do you remember that? It stood for Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. And the idea was no authority, no government, no one coming and bringing any restraint, and it's, it's free things, free love, free food, free everything, and we, we don't want the police because the police are the problem, and so we want to be authorities unto ourselves. And, and the mayor sat back in Seattle and did nothing. The police left. They left. And, you, you know, sadly what happened, tragically what happened was after almost a month, that experiment ended in the in the killing of two teenage boys. So finally the mayor came in, stepped in and said, okay, enough is enough. We're gonna come in in force and we're gonna, we're gonna break through and reestablish order. God is the one who establishes order and authority and government for the protection of mankind. It is God's institution. I love what R.C. Sproul says about the no government model, no authority model. He says this, the no government idea gives absolute freedom to unrighteous people who can wield their power and corruption against the innocent and the weak who are defenseless. Pure anarchy is the law of the jungle that God, that God abhors. God uses authorities and governments primarily for the restraint of evil. If God removed all human restraints, our lives would become unbearable, intolerable. Isn't that true? If God removed all, if all human restraints were removed, we, we could not survive in this planet. And what's amazing is, is there, that even in spite of all of that that we see, we see that in Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2, is the, these authorities are given by God. You will have even some Christians who will advocate for rebellion against governing authorities, some even to the point of physical violence. Right? You have some who call themselves Christians who, who, who will say, we need to rebel against the governing authorities. We need to push back and even to the point of physical violence. And I, I want us to understand. I want us to, 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 to see this. And we're going to go through some questions and things later on in this message. But I, we have to set this foundation at the beginning. A Christian is not an insurrectionist. A Christian is not a, re, a rebellious person against the authorities that God has established. That is not how we live. It's not what we do. You know, what's amazing about 1 Peter 2 and Romans chapter 13 is the audience that is receiving this letter. We can't help but see that letter through our lens of living in a democracy, living in a constitutional republic. We see it through that lens. Well, they didn't have a constitutional republic in Rome, my brothers and sisters. They had an emperor who was supreme. Remember I told you we'll talk about the emperor in a few minutes? Their governing authority that Peter and Paul told them to submit to was an emperor who was supreme. And you may not like our president here today, 
Or you may not like the president who will be elected the next cycle or the cycle after that. But I'm here to tell you the American president is not an emperor who is supreme. It is not apples to apples. And I think so often Christians in particular in the political systems and structures, they get so riled up and they feel like we're under tyranny. We are not under tyranny here today. Okay, I just got to say something. Let me drink a bottle of water before I say this real quick. So just hang tight, all right? I listened to Donald Trump the other day. He announces candidacy for the presidency. I I just will tell you what I thought, okay? This was not in my notes. This is free. I thought, who in the world is filtering his speech? He said some ridiculous things. One of the things that he said, and here's, here's, some, here's what I want, us, I want us to think about this, okay? I'm, I'm here to help you. I'm, I'm your friend. He hasn't been president for how long? Two years. And he described America that it was a paradise on earth. It was Eden. It was the Garden of Eden when he was president. He fixed every problem that America had and the world even had. And then in two years, we're in hell, is what he described. That we're basically living under an emperor and Nero and, and all hell is broke loose and, and he's the savior. Think about that. Think about that for a second. Are we like the disciples in Peter's day? Are we like the disciples in Paul's day? Look, I just preached four messages that, that told you I, I, I see what's happening in the culture and, and I think it's bad. But we don't have Nero setting our family members on fire to light his city because they're believers in Jesus Christ. I can stand behind the pulpit here today and declare that Jesus is the only way to salvation and not be put in jail like they would be in China. Like we have a beautiful, wonderful country, and Donald Trump is not the savior of our country. Amen. Or Joe Biden, or any other president, Ron DeSantis, go Ron, go, right? He's not the savior of our country. We have to think through that lens. You know, and what's interesting is that if we're not careful, we, we, can begin to, we can begin to get into the hysteria and the hype, and we can think, well, we need to take things over by force and, 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 and think about what these Christians were being told when they read that letter. Be submissive to Nero, to a true emperor who had supreme authority. You know, Peter, it's interesting, Peter writes that to Christians Peter didn't have it all together throughout his life, did he? Do you remember what happened when Jesus came to the garden and Judas betrayed Jesus and the authorities came to arrest Jesus? What did Peter do? Look, Matthew 26, Jesus said to him, friend, do what you came to do, speaking to Judas. And they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. You know, I want you to know Peter wasn't ear hunting. He was head hunting that day. His Messiah and who he believed was going to take over the government of of Rome and of Israel. He was going to be the leader, the authority, was being arrested. So he picks up, he takes out his little handheld little knife and sword and he comes to cut off Malchus's head and Malchus dodges and gets his ears chopped off and Jesus picks up the ear and puts it back on his head and looks at Peter and says, put your sword away. If you Live by the sword, you will die by the sword. My kingdom is not to be established by violence, by earthly means, by physical means. Peter, you have to put your sword away. We don't fight with physical force to overthrow kingdoms of this world. Jesus' message and, and Peter's message was also Paul's message. What does Paul tell us in 2 Corinthians 10? For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. And, and what are we fighting? What have I been fighting the last four weeks? We're talking about these subjects. We destroy arguments. 
strongholds, arguments, ideologies, mindsets. We, we are a people of the kingdom of God who are our battle, the realm that we live in is a world, is a realm of arguments. It's a realm, not arguing with people, but we, we are speaking truth, biblical truth against the ideologies of the world so that people can be free spiritually. So they can come to know the greater reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But even in the midst of all of that, these governing authorities that God has put in place for our good and our protection, you have so-called Christians and pastors who go viral on YouTube, who incite people to anger and violence through inflammatory, rebellious, and unkind words. You've seen them. You've seen them. I'm, I'm going to tell you one of them. This is another freebie. It's not in my notes. I watched some stuff this week that really bothered me so much. This guy, Greg Locke, don't listen to that guy. He has a, he's got a, a name, pastor, next to him. Don't listen to him. He is rebellious. He says inflammatory things. He incites violence. He says unkind words that are not Christian. Don't listen to you. If you know Greg Locke, you know who he is. He's from Tennessee. Don't listen to him. God has established earthly authority for our common good. This is the first principle. And therefore, we are not to rebel against what God has established. Amen? But that was a roller coaster ride, wasn't it? Wasn't that fun? Here's the next one. The next foundational authority from this scripture, from these two scriptures, 1 Peter 2, Romans 13. Secondly, a Christian does not give ultimate allegiance to a politician or a party. So what does the text say in 1 Peter 2 and Romans 13? Be subject for the Lord's sake. It's for the Lord. We submit for the Lord. This is about the Lord. Be subject for the Lord's sake. Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. So what does that tell us? It tells us that God is the ultimate authority. So as Christians who are part of the kingdom of God, our ultimate allegiance is not to a physical president or politician or political party. Our ultimate authority and our ultimate submission is to the one who holds all the authority. And that is the God of creation. Philippians 3, Apostle Paul says this, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship, you know, you know, this is the tension. This is the tension. Earthly things and kingdom citizenship. Earthly realities and kingdom citizenship, right? Minds set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in, is in heaven. From it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 1 of 1 Peter, we studied through 1 Peter in 2021. If you remember that long ago, 1 Peter, the beginning of it, what does the Apostle Peter tell us as Christians? We are sojourners and we are exiles. We are refugees. Kareem is ministering to refugees. We are like refugees in a foreign land seeking asylum. We're living in Babylon. We are sojourners. This is not our home. We submit to a different kingdom and at the same time, we submit to the, to, to the authorities that God has given. This is the tension. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. And I think what's so important for us is that we, we have to remember that where we place our greatest allegiance reveals where we place our trust. Where we place our greatest allegiance, it reveals where we place our trust. And our life as Christians, living in America as Christians, should be lived for the greater reality than the working of human political institutions. Right? I love what Jesus, I love listening to Jesus. I love going through the Gospel of John. Can't wait to get back to John in January. Jesus had a way of just saying things so clearly. Right? So Jesus is arrested. We, we saw when he was arrested, Peter tried to cut off, tried to cut off the head of Malchus. And, and so he gets arrested and he, he's before Pilate. Pilate begins to interview Jesus and listen to the conversation between Jesus and the authority, the ruler of that day, that the Pilate, in his mind, had the authority to, to do whatever he wanted with Jesus. And listen to what Jesus said, John 18. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. 
If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. Isn't that so interesting? They had just fought. He had to just correct Peter for fighting. Right? He says, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. And then now to notice what Jesus says to Pilate. Pilate says this. This is a chapter later, a few verses later. So Pilate said to him, you will not... You will not speak to me? You're not going to talk to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Where did Pilate get his authority? When he says, I have authority, where, where did that come from? From God. And, and so, so now notice what Jesus says. Okay. Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. He says, okay, buddy. You think you're pretty awesome? I want you to know the authority you have doesn't even come from you. It's from God, right? Our ultimate allegiance isn't to Pilate. It isn't to a president. It isn't to a politician. And it isn't to a party. It is to the one who holds all authority. It's to the creator of the universe. And as Christians, we, yes, amen. Our relationship is that we live for the Lord's sake, not for the Republican Party, not for the Democratic Party. For too many of us as believers today, we place too much hope in politics and politicians. Our, you know, here's, here's what I think happens when it comes to politics and politicians. So often our peace that we live, you know, the peace that's been given to us because of the work of the cross, the peace. Listen, this is so important. God, God, give, God gives us his peace through salvation in Christ. And so often that peace is, is robbed based upon election results, right? May that never be, that we would ever allow the result of an election to rob us of peace that the world can't take away, shouldn't be able to take away. So it's, it's a peace that doesn't come from this world. It's a peace that comes it's an, from God. It's an eternal peace. And, and here's the other flip side. So often, we can have a sense of peace based upon election results, and we can say, oh, my man's in office, my lady's in office, oh, every, everything's right with the world. You know it's the same world you lived in uh, 24 hours before or 48 or, or however many, now it's 72 days, uh, two weeks before the election results are, are final. I don't know, how long, however long it takes, it's the same world you lived in before, right? Still filled with evil, still people not surrendering to the Lordship of Christ. My peace should be unshaken no matter what happens all around us. So often as Christians, we are tied to politics in a way that robs us of peace. A political party, now I just want to say this, a political party or a politician that stands for a biblical cause, and that does happen, and as much as that is a reality, it's good to encourage those biblical causes through political means. That's good, and we're going to talk about that in, in a few moments when we answer some questions. But always we should have the foundational perspective that it is our Lord Jesus that is king, and we don't place our trust in flawed political leaders to accomplish what only God can accomplish. Amen? Amen. Our message is a gospel message. We're going to talk about that next week. Come for the conclusion of the, this series. Our message is a gospel message that the world does not want to hear. That's our message. It is not a politically correct message. It is a, it is a message that will inflame people to anger against us when we tell them that they are sinful and deserving of the wrath of God, right? So come for that week, come for that message next week. But that's our message, it's a gospel message. It's a good news message that those that are under the wrath of God can be free from the wrath of God and can have eternal life in heaven forever, can be forgiven of their sins. That is our message. Coming close, listen, listen closely, lean in. That message, which is what the foundation of the kingdom of God is, listen closely. God's kingdom is not going to be established through the Republican Party. I know who I'm preaching to here today. I'm in South Louisiana. We're a red state. We've got a bunch of red people in here. Our, the kingdom of God is not going to be established through the Republican Party. That's a, you know, you could have clapped if you wanted to, but you don't have to. No, no, seriously, you don't have to. 
<laughs> the gospel message, it's not, it, it's, it's, it's not of this world. And so often we think that God has to use politicians and policies to establish his kingdom. And so we'll put our allegiance and our hope in a politician and in a president. Prophet Zechariah, he had a series of visions. I just want to say this real quickly before we get into, into some questions. The prophet Zechariah, through a series of visions, he spoke prophetically to Zerubbabel. Right? He spoke prophetically to the nation of Israel. They had gotten out of exile, and, and the temple had been, had been destroyed. They were in exile in Babylon, and they, and they get out, and Zechariah the prophet has a series of visions. And the fifth vision is for the political leader, Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was commissioned to go back and to rebuild the temple. He was a civic leader, a politician. And so the prophet wants to make sure that the politician knows where power really comes from and knows where his authority really comes from and knows where any good that's going to come in a community, in a nation, where that really comes from. And the prophet Zechariah speaks to Zerubbabel, Zechariah 4, 6. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen? It's by God's power. And if God wants to use a Republican, if God wants to use a Democrat, if God wants to use a politician, if God wants to use anyone, he will use anyone to establish his kingdom if that's what he so chooses. But no person, no party, no politician, no pastor, no church has a corner on the market. If you preach the gospel... The gospel of the kingdom, God will speak through you and use you for the establishment of his kingdom. God is not interested in the establishment and the wheel spinning of those of political leaders who are in it for earthly power and money. But even in the midst of all of that, he can still use flawed, sinful human beings for his purposes. And he reminds politicians like Zerubbabel, you think you're going to do it in your power and your strength, but I want you to know it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is because of me. Amen. For the Lord's sake, our allegiance belongs to Christ alone. We represent him first. Politics, politicians, government can accomplish good things for, for society. God uses those structures for our good and his glory. But I want you to hear this and hear this clearly. Here's another listen closely moment. We are Christians first and Americans second. I thought about that for a while. I thought, I, I, I wonder who that would rub wrong. It may rub somebody wrong here today. Wait a minute. That sounds unpatriotic. No, we're not of this world. We're Christians. If we're believers in Jesus Christ, we are Christians first and Americans second. Because this kingdom, God's kingdom, is not of this world. So what are the two foundational truths about governing authorities and the believer? Well, first, God's established earthly authority for our common good. And secondly, a Christian does not give ultimate allegiance to a, a, a political party. So with that foundation, what are a few common questions that come up as we seek to live properly as kingdom citizens on this earth? So here's a question I think that, that comes up. Are there times when believers should not submit to governing authorities? Are there times? And we just saw, Scripture says, to submit to the governing authorities, to be subject, to be submissive. But are there times when Christians should not submit to governing authorities? And the answer, biblically, is yes. There are times Here's, here's, here's some biblical cases. Daniel and the three Hebrew children, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, would not submit to laws that would cause them to violate their conscience before God. You remember the stories? Daniel 3, what, what did Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar built a statue of himself, this huge statue golden image and said everyone bow down to it Daniel 3 then the herald loudly proclaimed nations and peoples of every language this is what you are commanded to do as soon as you hear the sound of the horn the flute the zither the lyre the harp the pipe and all kinds of music you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up and what did Hananiah Mishael and Azariah say nope no sir hey you can throw us in the fiery furnace. We will not bow down and worship something that's not a God. We serve the one true God. And, and, and God, our God is well able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. We're not, we're not going to argue with you about this king. 
But even if he doesn't deliver us from the fiery furnace, we will not bow. So, so as American Christian, as Christians first and Americans second, we, we are Christians living in America. And in, as much as America sets up idols in our culture, we will not bow down to the idols, even if the government says we have to. Here's another example. Daniel. Listen, Daniel 6, the royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Why, why, why did they urge the king to have that edict? Because they knew Daniel prayed every day. Window open for all to see. He prayed. They set the edict. What did Daniel do? He prayed. Here's another example of when believers should say no to governing authorities. The apostles before the high priest in Acts chapter 5. They've been preaching in the name of Jesus and stirring up trouble, right? Listen to what the high priest says. And when they brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you to not teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. They directly disobeyed the governing authorities. We told you not to do it, and you've gone all over Jerusalem, and you're still teaching in Jesus' name. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. Amen? Amen. You remember back in COVID, just go back to 2020 again. I know we don't like to go back just one, one more time. Let's go back to 2020 in our minds. You remember during 2020, churches would, there were churches that lived in different states that, were, uh, that had more onerous uh, restrictions on them than, than our state did. And I just want to say this about our governor. I'm very grateful that our governor did not have strong restrictions like other states did. After, after uh, eight weeks, we were able to start meeting in person. And, and he, he gave us percentages to be able to meet in. And, 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 and we could have made a decision in the beginning to, to not meet I mean, to meet if we felt like that was necessary, but we didn't understand the virus fully, and so it was good for us to not meet for a season. But once we understood the scope of the, of the virus and its, and its impact, we would have been willing to, if the governor would have said, no, you can't meet, we'd have been willing as elders to say, well, we, we will meet. We will be respectful, but we will meet. And that happened in a lot of states. One of them would have been in, in California. And the government there in California, they didn't even just try to stop Christians from meeting in church buildings. They tried to stop Christians from meeting in homes. And they, they, they set this rule, and they said that Christians in California were forbidden to gather for church studies in their homes with people from more than three households because of COVID-related restrictions. And so it made its way all the way up to the, to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled in the favor of Christians in California. And so there were churches all over the country that said no. So, so what's the principle in answering this question? Is there ever a time when Christians should rebel and say no to a restriction from the governing authorities? Here's, here's an answer to that. If civil authority commands us to do something that God has forbidden or forbids us from doing something God has commanded, we must not obey. If civil authority commands us to do something that God has forbidden, or forbids us from doing something God has commanded, we must not obey. Amen? But how should, we, how should we rebel? With gentleness, with peace, with not being arrogant, not, not waving our flag, well, I'm rebelling against the government, we're putting all kind of Facebook posts out on social media and letting everyone know that we're rebelling against the government. No, we live quiet, peaceful lives. We rebel against restraints that are not biblical, with a heart of submission and a heart of respect for those that are in authority. So what, what's, a, what's another question that, that comes up? So here's a, another question. Should believers get involved in politics? And, I, and my, 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 my answer is yes. I do believe that, that God has given political government structures and that Christians should be involved in it. Well, here, here's some ways in which believers can be involved in politics. Voting. We should vote. If you don't vote, I, I, I would encourage you, you need to vote. You may have given up on the political system and, and you feel like, well, it's, it's, it's of no earthly good. 
But men and women died in history so that you could have the freedom to vote and you need to vote. Because there can be politicians and policies that reflect God's will for, listen, for the protection of the innocent and the strengthening of the family. And so it's important, and for religious freedom, it's important for you to vote. That's how you can be involved in politics. Pay attention. Look at the policies. What do they stand for? Here's, here's another way Christians can be involved in politics. Run for office. Run for office. Um, there is a school board uh, a Christian that ran for school board in our town, Don Crowdis, and he won uh, District 5. He's a Christian man. He was in the service when I preached on, on gender theory, and he was excited about that message, and, and he has a heart to protect kids in our community from gender theory and gender ideology. And I'm glad he's on the school board. He's going to be a voice of righteousness on that school board. So, so if you're a Christian... Run for all of us. Now, I will say, your convictions will be tested. The higher you climb up that ladder, the more difficult it will be for you to preach a message of the kingdom and to stand for biblical principles. So if you get into politics, understand that your convictions will be tested. So we need godly men and women who will stand firm on biblical convictions and who can be a voice of righteousness in our society. So here's another question real quickly. Should believers and pastors speak out on the moral issues of the day? Okay, so, so, so here's what I, I want to say about this. The moral issues of the day have become political issues. Okay? And you all see that, right? The moral issues of the day have become political issues, but they're not political issues. They're moral issues. And so sometimes when preachers speak out on the subjects I've spoke out in the last four weeks, they say, well, why are you getting involved in politics? Well, it's not politics. That's morality. And that's my world, right? I'm a pastor. I speak about morality. And so you can call the politics out there if you want, right, in the world. But, but this is morality. The definition of marriage and family and gender and sexuality, like that, that's morality. It's not politics. So should believers and pastors speak out on the moral issues of the day? And the, the answer is yes. We need to speak out on the moral issues of the day. You remember John the Baptist? Right? I mean, you, you never really saw him. <laughs> you remember reading about him in the Bible? John the Baptist, he confronted, he confronted an authority, didn't he? Herod, Herod Antipas had married his brother's wife, his, his sister-in-law. And, and, and Herod was the ruler, was an authority. What did John do? John, uh, this is Mark, Mark, Mark 6, verse 17 and 18. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. Herod had married his sister-in-law. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. John confronted Herod and said, you're a Jew. Herod Antipas was a Jew. And he's saying, wait a minute. Yeah, you're a ruler and an authority, but that doesn't mean you can break God's law. Like, you can't marry your sister-in-law. This is not right. And Herodias said, off with his head. And it cost John his life, right? But what did John do? He spoke truth to power. We have to be willing to speak truth to power, to stand up for righteousness. Now, some people may say, what about should believers and pastors speak uh, uh, repentance and, 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 these, and, and, and these biblical truth realities uh, uh, to the culture because they're not bound to the biblical truth, right? And so we shouldn't hold them accountable. I've heard that recently, that, that Christians and pastors shouldn't really speak those things to the culture because they're, they're not even Christians, so, so why even speak that to them? Why even talk about it? Well, because the Bible says this in Acts 17, Paul speaking to a bunch of pagans, he says this, Acts 17, 30 through 31, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he has commanded all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. So should Christians, preachers, pastors, should we speak out on the moral issues of the day? Absolutely, we should call everyone to repent from Herod Antipas all the way down we call everyone, repent, because God has fixed a day when he will judge the world in righteousness. So we must speak to the more issues of the day. May we not find ourselves like the Christians of Nazi Germany, 
who for the most part stayed silent when evil was overpowering their country. There was 12,000 pastors approximately in Germany during Hitler's day. And there was only about 3,000 of them. So nine of the 12,000, they lined themselves up with the state church. And they submitted to the Nazi uh, government and and the rules concerning the state and the church. Only about 3,000 pastors and leaders said, no, we will be what they called themselves the confessing church. And and one of the leaders of that was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And, And him and others, it cost them their life. But they stood up for righteousness in the middle of a nation that had thrown off restraint and had embraced evil. And may we not find ourselves like those of the 9,000 that said, no, it's a lot easier just to stay quiet. William, William Wilberforce was a Christian and a politician. He lived, he was a British Christian and politician who lived in the 1800s and he spoke out against the slave trade. William Wilberforce spoke out as a Christian politician against the evils of the slave trade. Listen to what he said. He said, so enormous, so dreadful, did the slave trade's wickedness appear that my own mind was completely made up for its abolition. Let the consequences be what they would. I, from this time, determined that I would never rest until I had effected its abolition. So we must speak out. May we be like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. May we be like William Wilberforce. May we be bold Christians who hold to our convictions, who speak the truth, but speak it in love. Amen? Amen. Amen. So here's the last question. Where is all this headed? Right? God's given governing authorities. We must not, we're not insurrectionists. We don't rebel against authority. God is establishing his kingdom and the political systems and structures. God's kingdom will be established no matter what goes on in Washington. And we are a part of that kingdom. So our agenda is not a Republican agenda, a Democrat agenda. It's not a right wing or a left wing agenda. Our agenda is a Christian agenda. Right? The kingdom agenda. Where is all this headed, though? Here's where I think it's headed. Politicians and presidents, leaders and authorities, nations and communities and households, all who will not repent will be judged. That's where it's headed. That's it. It's that simple. That is where this is all headed. Right? Politicians and presidents... Leaders and authorities, nations and communities, households and individuals, all who will not repent will be judged. And that's where it's headed. And may we never lose sight. If we will not lose sight of that, then we will not take our allegiance and our hope and place it in politics. If we will not lose sight of the fact that your neighbor who's not a believer, if they do not repent, they will be judged. If you do not lose sight of that, then you will realize that whoever is in the Oval Office, though we want people who stand for righteousness, the greater reality is their eternal destiny. And so that's where it's all headed. And that helps us with our priorities and what our mission is and what our message is. And we will stand for righteousness and we will speak truth to power. But we will stay on point with the message of the kingdom. That God wants to establish his kingdom in us and through us. Amen? Amen. So that's where it's headed. And here's Isaiah 40. I want to end with Isaiah 40. Speaking to what we're talking about here. This is the prophet speaking about God. It says, behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. Oh, great America, right? We're like a drop from a bucket. All are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. Mr. President, it's he who sits above the circle of the earth, right? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain 
and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. It is he who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Wow. Right? Perspective. Where's it all headed? God's in charge. And our call is to rest in the knowledge that the God of creation is working all things according to the counsel of his will. As you read in Ephesians. Did you hear that in Ephesians chapter 1 earlier? During the scripture reading? He is working all things according to the counsel of his will. And we rest in that. The counsel of his will. He didn't need a committee. He doesn't need a council. He doesn't need our opinion. He doesn't, he doesn't need us to, to, to spin our wheels and figure out, God, I think if you did it this way, it would really work out well for our country. Right? No, he doesn't need a council. He's working everything out according to the counsel of his will because he's God, and we rest in that. And lastly, our call is to declare his reign and his righteousness, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and it knows no end. And he is ruling and reigning right now. Amen? He's ruling and reigning right now. Amen. So that is my attempt at a biblical perspective on governing authorities and our response. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna pray. And I believe we're gonna sing. Are we gonna sing? We've got a song so you're going to sing praise to the God who is in control, who is ruling and reigning, has all authority and all power. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what we see in 1 Peter 2 and in Romans 13. Lord, we thank you that, that we can rest in that knowledge, that you have established governing authorities for our common good. And may we respect those that are in authority. May we not rebel even when we don't like it. And Lord, may we also, at the same time, living in that tension, may we stand for righteousness and may we not compromise biblical convictions. And if need me, if need me, Lord, give us the courage to say no where we need to say no. And help us in all of that to represent you in a way that glorifies your name and communicates the power of the gospel to the watching world. And God, may we not have our allegiances mixed May we not place hope in things that are not meant to give hope. And may we place our hope in the God who knows and who sees and who's working all things according to the counsel of his will. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.